Welcome to episode number 50 of the Boxing One Podcast. This is the homie, Jay Rich, a.k.a. John Richards, and I'm here with the homie, C. Last. What's up, Chris Lassender? Chilling, B. What's good with you today? Look, man, the end of the year, Christmas time is coming up. How are things going in the Lassender household, bro? We are great. So um, the holidays are an exciting time of the year for us, and a lot of that has to do with Christ, obviously, and Christmas just cultural things which we'll touch on too but there's also something else is really cool in our family at this time of year which we will talk about close to the end yes sir that's one of the things we're going to talk about but we got to start where both of us have had some conversations this week and we want to make sure that our people understand our perspectives on this because this was a big deal this week monday night your homie kobe bean bryant had his jersey retired now jerseys jerseys retired okay so i i have a question for you okay and we we got to talk about this because i'm a little bit bothered by this why you gotta have two jerseys retired there's no one else in nba history that i can think of who has two different numbers retired two jerseys yes Shaq (laughs) did it others have done it but same number this is two numbers for kobe bryant I need to know, Chris, why do we have these two jerseys being retired by one of the players who is a good player? He was one of the best players. Yes, I'll admit it. Okay. Thank one of the best you. players of all time. But Glenn Rice was a good player. You can't say good for Kobe. <laughs> that's not the right adjective. All right. But two jerseys, man. That's what I'm talking about. What's up with this two jersey deal? So I have, um, like, the more I've given this thought this week, the more, like, my thoughts have kind of changed. Like, I love the way that Kobe played basketball. I loved, he was graceful like a ballerina and so skilled that I just loved watching him play. And on top of having that, like, skill package, he just wanted to win. So I loved everything about that part. But if you're being honest, uh, there are parts of Kobe that, like, you can't fully embrace. Like, one one of the issues that I had when I started to really think about it is, like, Hey, the reason that he rebranded and switched numbers wasn't in light of the greatest circumstances. As I've thought about it more, what I thought would have maybe been more appropriate is to just like never let another Laker wear number eight, but only retire the 24. And I think um, I I think there would have been some wisdom in that because part of Kobe's legacy in the middle of his career, it has a really ugly chapter. And it's almost as if when we hold that eight up, like it's almost signifying like, hey, we're willing to just gloss over some really troubling parts of Kobe's story. I was glad he was able to redeem himself and that wasn't the final chapter. At the same time, I'm not sure if that was something. Um, obviously, we're talking about the incident, um, which Kobe calls adulterous, uh, which the legal system says may have been something more than just adultery in some set, uh, significant way there was actually a civil suit all types of things a lawsuit a court case um with kobe and a young woman out in colorado and i'm just not sure uh what you do with that and that's kind of the light that made him say like i'm switching numbers i'm getting a new start he lost all types of endorsements at that time so i'm not sure how you hang that in without quantifying it somehow. Look, I could have got down with the post 
24 Kobe if he was humble, contrite, he was introspective, understood what he had done and moved on and stopped being a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) But it never happened, man. Like I could have got down with number eight Kobe who was on the second half of his career kind of understanding that he's getting a second chance because this was his second chance number. Let's be, let's admit it. Okay. This is the, oh man, I almost got caught up in Colorado. Post Colorado Kobe should have been a humble Kobe, but it never happened. So, and we see that in the ceremony, this dude came in a helicopter. (laughs) He had all these puppets around in the game. AI showed up. Bill Russell showed up. Kareem showed up. Shaq even showed up for the homie. And man, I, I just feel like something, man, at some point your pride has to be laid aside and you got to say, you know what? I'm a great basketball player, but wow. I could have gotten in some big trouble. And then at the end of the night, you know, I'm I'm venting right now, right? At the end of the night, Kendrick Lamar going to sing Be Humble, and he over there dancing. No rhythm, Kobe. Over there dancing to Be Humble. The irony. The irony of it all. Think about that. Jay Rich, didn't you say you had something like 700 CDs at one point? (laughs) I sure did. (laughs) <laughs> and you're gonna try to tell me one of them wasn't Kobe's rap CD? Like you ain't used to have it. What you talking never, about? Never, never. That boy had songs. He took Brandy. Jams. He took Brandy the prom. Kobe has no right. rhythm. He has no rhythm. That's all I'm saying. The only rhythm he had was on the court when he was hitting Jays. Now, one trick pony. Here's what I'm saying, man. Here's what I'm saying. I would have at least like a little bit, bit of humility, but I didn't get it. And now I get to see him retire two jerseys. Here's the greatest part about that night. The fact that KD was like, what retirement? I'm balling, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> that the Golden State Warriors beat the Lakers with half their roster resting. With the overtime dagger. If that didn't hurt. And then Lonzo hit, missed the last shot, right? So, listen. I'm at least happy right now. I'm happy that... The Kobe era is over. He's retired. He can go make puppets and make cartoons and stuff. All the other stuff he wants to do because I'm moving forward from Kobe being Brian. It was nice knowing you, brother. But, you know, I can't deal with him no more. Can't deal with him no more. You can call me a hater if you want to. But, you know, I just like guys who have a little bit. What would you have done? A little bit. of What number would you have retired? I would have retired number 24. But it's true, like, no one else should wear number eight either. It just probably shouldn't be in the rafters. No, not at all, man. Not at all. Yeah, but Kuzma shouldn't be out there running around in number eight. It just shouldn't be in the rafters. I don't know. He's putting up 38. You can do whatever you want. Lonzo shouldn't be wearing. As a matter of fact, we're not making no ball references on this podcast today. Yeah, so shout out to that. Shout out to the homie Jay Hart, though, who recognized that Kuzma was going to be a baller. Shout out to Jay Hart for that. Yeah, that's what coaches do. That's what coaches do. All right, man. So look, we're at the end of the year. People like doing these list deals, right? So, so we decided that we're gonna. We both love music. You're talking about me liking having 700 CDs back in the day. Yes, I did have the whole No Limit Soldier collection before Christ. And um, so, what we're gonna do is tell you guys what our top songs for 2017 are. One in the genre of hip hop, Christian hip hop, and two 
in worship or either, either hymns or worship, uh, our top song, the songs that got us through this year in 2017, they didn't have to be released this year, but it's something that was heavily rotated in your playlist. Chris, top songs this year, what are they? All right, so um, this is easy for me. Um, number one, the hip hop song, and I love hip hop. Like um, hip hop and I are the same age. It's just always been in my blood. But this dude said hip hop and I are the same age. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. Uh, I've never, I've never lived a day without it. Like I, it's been around just as long as I have. Um, so KB's uh, song, "Don't Nobody Own Us." I just love that song, and it has every element that you want that makes a song great. It has a great beat. It has great production, and it has great lyricism, and it tells a story. I think. The song is absolutely incredible. If you go on the worship side, I'm going a song that you sent me and then resent me. And for some reason, I liked it the first time, but the second time I just fell in love with it. I went through a span where I listened to it every day for two months. I still listen to it at least um, three times a week. And that is uh, the Norton Hall band. Uh, he will hold me fast. Mm. And, um, then I got my wife on it and she was listening to it every day. So it was just like for a week, there was a week where one of the phones in the house was playing that song at all times. So um, that's that. those are two easy choices for me. Uh, there is a really penetrating song on KB's album too. And I don't know the name of it off the top, but he's just like doing some introspection. It's almost like he's rapping to himself and he's watching himself um, build a great ministry he's having this dream where he's building a great ministry but christ isn't involved in it and then he just burns out and ends up um not finishing his ministry well and it, it is a poignant and powerful song and a sobering reminder so that song and i can't even remember the name of it but it is a powerful song yeah and if you remember after the show records we'll definitely put it in show notes so here's what i'm gonna go with man i gotta go with the guy who showed us that he was black, black this year. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I definitely have been listening to Lecrae's album, All Things Work Together, specifically the song Facts, which is probably the song that probably didn't endure him to evangelicals around the country because he basically said, yeah, I'm black and I have a heritage of social justice pioneers that include, you know, folks that you might not like. And that's just who I am, including the Panthers. I was like, whoa, Lecrae. What, what's the powerful line in that song? That's what you're doing? Bruh, you know what the powerful line is. For me, tell you, us, don't, tell you, don't, you don't know what it is? I know exactly what it is. I just want to hear if we came <laughs> up with the same conclusion. He says at the end of the song, man, and this this is definitely an ode to Outcast because it changes the beat and it has like this Outcast vibe, right? But he said, but still be at that chicken shack? Yeah. And then he hits him with the yeah? Come on, bro. Nah, that ain't I was it. Like, the, yes. the, the line is um, you grew up teaching about like how the Panthers were terrorists. I grew up learning how they fed my mama eggs and grits. And so yeah. he draws this differentiating like line in between like, hey, we're looking at the same set of facts, but look how differently we view them. And hence, this is why we are breaking up. Like literally it's a breakup song. You know what I'm saying? 
And it's like, hey, like I used to be this, but he say, and he's, he goes into it. He's like, hey, they used to just tell me to get my checks from evangelicals. And he's saying like, hey, I can't do that. Like, mm. I just realized when I was with you, like I really wasn't me. And so I need to leave. Like, I'm sorry, but this is why. This is why I have to leave. And mm. then like the little sermonettes in between. Who was that talking? Do you know who that is? Bruh. One of them is Akimini, who is on the Truth Table podcast. She actually does the intro. I don't know who the pastor is, but when he talks about reconciliation. Oh, that's Leon's Crump. Oh, that's Crump? That's praise pastor. I can tell oh, yeah, by his yeah. voice. Okay, well, Crump was crunk on that one. He was like, wait, yeah. let me talk to you about reconciliation, what it actually means. And he just went all the way in. So, that I mean, that song has so many layers. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. definitely something that is in heavy rotation in our house yeah. for sure. If you if you want to get really technical about it, uh, Crump and D.A. Horton, you'll notice when they say reconciliation, they leave off the R.E. and they only talk about conciliation. Conciliation, yeah. Yeah, yep. just as yep. a nod, which, um, you know, that's splitting hairs if you're not like that deep into this discussion theologically, but even if you're not like the difference is like, Hey, we've never really made things right. So mm. like if we get this right, it will be conciliation. It'll be the first time <laughs> we've been right. Like not a second time, you know, we've never um, been consoled in the first place. So we've how never can been you reconciled in the first place? Exactly. <laughs> so um, that a is a man. powerful song. Um, yeah. 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 That's great. My, uh, my worship song is going to be Matt Redman and Tasha Cobbs Leonard have an amazing song called gracefully broken is, Great. Yes. See, I just just put you on another one, cuz. I just put you on another one. (laughs) Bro. Why now? Go ahead, man. Go ahead and and YouTube it, bro. They uh so Matt Redman, obviously everybody knows him, Ten Thousand Reasons, uh Bless the Lord on my soul. Tasha Cobbs is a great vocalist, and having them both together on the same song, you know, my my issue has always been that uh gospel artists always sing ccm songs probably like five years too late <laughs> but actually having her on this album is a great combination for both of them so gracefully broken if you haven't checked it out definitely uh take a listen to it that's been the song that was on heavy rotation for me when it came out why are you just telling me about this my bad because you still got a few more days left in 2017 make it happen <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, speaking of a few more days, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Oh, Jay Rich with the bars. That was terrible. Terrible. But it is Christmas time, okay? And I have a problem sometimes around this year because this time of year because what? Some people are just so doggone deep, bro. Like some Christians are just so spiritually deep. It's just ridiculous. You know what I'm talking about, right? Fill me in. I think I know where you're going, but let me make sure. Okay. So, you know, some people don't necessarily celebrate Christmas in ways that other people do, including bringing a tree in your house, hanging lights outside. Now, the tree thing is one thing that gets me because people use scripture to justify not getting a tree for Christmas. Some some obscure passage in one of the prophets talking about trees. And then they go into Jeremiah. (laughs) <laughs> talking about the history of German trees and myths and, and, and gods and all this good stuff. I'm sitting there listening to them while I'm going to the tree farm, picking up my tree because I'm about to get a tree in my house for my kids. And that doesn't make me a pagan. It really doesn't. 
So I'm trying to figure out, man, trying to figure out. All right. So we understand that that Christmas is about Christ. But how do you properly um, celebrate Christmas in a culture that does things like trees and lights where you don't feel like you're a Scrooge? That's the question, right? So so what is what is your perspective on this? See, last y'all got that tree up in Lassiter team, Lassiter's house. I'm looking at the tree right now, Jay Rich. Uh, all right. So so here's there. There's two different things, right? Like. Um, but for me, it comes down to this. Do we agree on soteriology? If we do, we agree on how Christ saves, because a lot of the times what I've noticed is along with that view that like I'm more spiritual than you, it, there's this moralism that comes from not having a tree. There are also the people who say, um, like, I'd never have a glass of wine, even though Jesus had a glass of wine. You know, the Bible says don't get drunk, but it doesn't say don't enjoy God's good gifts. And I'm somebody who like typically doesn't drink wine, wouldn't enjoy that. Like, that's just not my thing. I grew up in the South on sweet tea and I'd much rather have that. But like on either case, drinking wine, not drinking wine, having a tree or not having a tree, like at the end of the day, like all of that pales into what my understanding is of what justifies me at the end of the day. Like nothing I do. You know what I'm saying? So I was listening to something last night and it just said um, moralism equals my identity is in what I've done. Gospel is my identity is in what Christ has done. And I think uh, so many times when you hear someone say like, oh, I'd never have a tree. They're also the people that say you can't cuss on Sundays and all of these other things. In other words, like I have to do this list of good works because Christ's good work wasn't enough for me. And to know that like I'm doing enough, I have to look down on you. And so I I just wish for those people to be free, like enjoy God's good gifts and know that he's the one that justifies you and that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now that's true, man. That's like, so we have a tree and, and we do celebrate Christmas. And here's the thing that we try to do intentionally with our kids and our kids are a little bit younger than yours, but uh, what we do with our have done with our son and with our daughter is, hey, look, Christmas is really not about presence, T.S. It's, it's about Christ's presence, C.E., and and his presence with us, the incarnation. And, and we teach them that on Christmas Day. So our tree isn't filled with presents. We, we gather around our trees so that our, our kids can understand that the day is about the presence of Jesus with us and him being um, Emmanuel, God with us. So, so, you know, we'll do some reading and, and we'll do some songs and worship and, and let them know, hey, these, got, these gifts, as you said, are good gifts from the Father, but they aren't to be expected. These, these aren't things that you need to expect a certain quantity of. Um, just think about the quality of the gifts and, and the fact that you are privileged enough to get that. But, but celebrating Christmas for us is, is a way to not only demonstrate the love of Christ to our child, children, but to also show them that this day is about a whole lot more than lights, than ribbons, than wrapping paper. It's about the child in the manger who was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And for us, that's that's how we uh, make sure that we keep the focus in the pro in the proper place around this time of year. And we're gonna have a tree. We're gonna light that Joker up. My son loves going coming in at night and using the remote like he has the force. 
and turning the tree on. <laughs> and I enjoy seeing that. So I'm not going to take that away from him because of some passage in Jeremiah that's being read out of context. Sorry. It's just not going to happen. So I implore you guys, enjoy your Christmas um, as the Lord sees fit. Paul talks about this, right? These days, these different days of the year, some of you are okay with it. Some of you aren't okay. Whatever your conscience tells you, celebrate it, okay? Uh, just make sure you keep Christ at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of Come on, come yeah. on. We Listen, we were playing that in the car on the way in this morning. My my wife, we're wound it. She, she put it on repeat. I wanted to go to the next oh, song bro. and she wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> bruh did you just say rewind this is not bruh. this is not a tape cassette from 1987 bruh i just said that and it's probably because you were said i was a child you were a child of hip-hop i wanted to make sure i contextualized for my audience boy you don't know what it's like to hit the rewind button the the aerospace <laughs> in the left <laughs> so listen guys listen 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 celebrate christmas enjoy god's great gifts i think chris had a great point um and i believe and read the gospel in its context yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and merry christmas and merry christmas <laughs> <laughs> all right man so i'm sitting here looking at a pile of books on my desk in my study and i've put together my reading list for 2018 i'm really excited about it and we really like to give our listeners some reading resources that we've been reading lately so what are you reading or what do you look forward to reading in 2018 that you want to let our listeners know about chris that is a great question i'm trying to think off of the top of my head i've told you um it's just been a little bit of a different week for me because my wife's been under the weather so it's been a lot more of podcasting while i'm picking up a few additional chores um i'm trying to think really quick off the top of my head the jude 3 podcast is something that i would heavily recommend that I've been in speaking. I, we do a podcast because we want to have a gospel impact on people, but I think they do a tremendous job having a gospel impact on people as well. So if I was going to say a resource, especially when I've been busy and mostly everything's had to be through my ears and not so much having a chance to read this week, um, the Jude 3 podcast has been uh, really good. Lots of different subjects. I'm trying to think if one just stuck out, but I would just recommend like the whole series of the podcast have been really good. So that's good. That's good. Vince Bantu. That's a good one. Vince Bantu. And he just talks about um, the original roots of Christianity in Africa and why it's not just a white man's religion. That That's a great podcast. That's a great place to start. Oh, that one right there. Yeah. People need to know about that one. Okay. <laughs> Do three contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered for all the saints. Um, so great group of folks. They're doing some great work in apologetics. We're actually having Lisa speak at our conference next summer at the Amplify Conference on apologetics. Excited about having a person of color do that. So I'm um, looking forward to having her at the conference. Definitely. Tell her I'm a big fan if you run into her. Oh, I will. I trust, trust me, I will. She'll be in the green room, in the green room. So I just read uh, a book by one of our staff members, Jerry Root, who's one of the probably one of the most gifted evangelists I've ever met in my life. And it's called The Sacrament of Evangelism. And he compares it to a sacrament because he talks about Christ's presence, not only with us, but in the person's life that we're trying to reach. 
And one of the lines in the book that's like this kind of this tweetable, you know, uh, DJ horns quote is um, he says that um, I don't understand why we feel like we uh, we carry Jesus to people. Uh, what we have to realize is that he's already there at work in that person's life. Uh, we just have to join him in that work. And some of that begins with prayer. Uh, and it also kind of begins with wisdom and discernment, asking the right questions. So uh, it's a great book. Love Jerry's anecdotes and stories. He's probably led thousands of people to Christ um, over his lifetime. And uh, he's one of the most no. gifted persons I ever have set and listened to in terms of evangelism and asking those prompting questions. So commend that book to anybody. So uh, in Romans 1 16, when it talks about like, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power unto salvation uh, for all those who believe first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Like, I think sometimes we forget like that it's the gospel that has power that like before we ever went to speak to someone, God's been working in their circumstances turning them towards those. I don't believe any of my neighbors or my neighbors by mistake. I should be praying for those opportunities, but God has sovereignly been preparing mm. from eternity past for our like paths uh, to cross. Don't want to miss Christmas as an opportunity where people are more open to be invited to church, et cetera, et cetera. These neighbors of mine are divine. They're on purpose. Like God's been working in their hearts divinely for when our paths did cross. So um, yeah, I think sometimes we forget like the gospel is power unto salvation. Like it's not just us mouthing words, but there's God like empowering that message. That's a good word. All right. Closing shout outs, homie. Yeah. So uh bittersweet moment for the last of the family, but our, our youngest kid turns 10 Soraya, who is a true joy. All of my kids are true joys, but uh, the, the bittersweet part is, like we won't have any kids in single digits. Matter of fact, she woke up, she tells me she's gonna wake up in the morning, Lord willing, of course, and yell double digits. Uh, and literally that'll be it for us having any kids in the single digits, but we're excited to celebrate her life tomorrow as well. So basically y'all put up a triple double. Exactly. <laughs> Quintuple. Right, Quint exactly. Whatever that one is. So, uh, a uh, bunch of double. vocabulary tonight. So, <laughs> a bunch of something doubles. Yeah, five, whatever that word is, whatever quint word that's supposed to be. So, oh, who's your good, shout out? Man. Congrats to the daughter for making 10. That's great, man. That's great. So, my closing shout out is going to be to the homie. His name is Eugene Gatewood. He listens to us from time to time. He's a huge Michigan State fan. Um, but he is someone I worked with closely in my previous role. I actually missed the dude because he was my supervisor and probably one of the better supervisors that I had. He's a, a bastion of wisdom and grace. So um, looking forward to connecting with him next month. We usually do lunches together still just to kind of kick in and hang out, man. But shout out to the homie, Eugene Gatewood, a.k.a. Gatewood. And he has a nice little sweet jumper too, man. I try to get him out on the court, man, but he's he'd be trying to, to hang out. Dude's from Detroit, so you know they can hoop. Hold on. You just mentioned too many words for us not to have one last shout out. <laughs> you mentioned Michigan State, Detroit. So we gotta give one last shout out to Magic and Isaiah for oh. being a picture of gospel reconciliation. 
this week. Coming back together all those years later, we're basketball fans. If we wouldn't have talked about Kobe tonight, I think we'd have had to talk about this. But when you said Michigan State, Detroit, basketball fan, humility, like all those things, I was like, man, that was a beautiful picture. Um, for all of us who grew up in that era, bad boy, uh, Laker Showtime, to see them sit down, be men, confront what happened, and then offer and extend forgiveness, that was a beautiful picture. So, What an amazing moment. And, you know, probably sermon this week for a lot of pastors. Uh, just seeing those two reconcile, knowing the past that they had and the fact that two grown men are on the camera crying um, and kind of hugging it out, man. It was it was a great moment for sure. Men so who both sure. have made a, a lot of money and in positions of power. Yeah, absolutely. They don't man. show their vulnerable side. Not at all. Not at all. That was a great beautiful, moment. Beautiful, beautiful. Great moment. Great moment. Wow, man. Episode 50, man. This was like 50 inches. That's my vertical right now. So. I Word. really appreciate the fact that we went through 50 episodes, man. So it's a shout out to me, man. This is my yeah. episode because I'm still dunking, no. right? It's Ralph Sampson. Yeah, it is Ralph. I can't even be mad at you, man, because Ralph Sampson was the man for sure. He played in our high school district. Oh, did he? Man, man yeah. you, you are that guy in the barbershop. Boy, like, every, time I I men- every time I mention somebody, it's <laughs> It's like a coming to America moment. You don't know no Maki Mastriano. Listen, man. <laughs> he was a Harrisonburg Blue Streak, right? He's three-time National Player of the Year at University of Virginia. No, I know, man. He's, he's but my high school used to beat him. Listen, really? ask him. My high school, yeah, he, like, by his senior year, we couldn't really do nothing with him. But the first three years, like, our high schools would go back and forth. But we beat them as much as they beat us. Until his senior year, then he was just pretty much untouched. Let the record reflect that the team name is still the Leesman. It is still the Leesman. <laughs> Go ahead, man. The Lehigh Leesman all day long. But they got a good basketball squad. It's all good, man. So, yeah, shout out, shout out to the homie Ralph Sampson, man. He has a great name, by the way. He knew he was going to be big and big basketball player, too. So He actually uh, he actually hosts a radio show in Stanton now. Nice. All roads lead to Stanton. Just ask Mark Dever. You see Mark Dever here. This is the second time he's been here tweeting about Stanton. He loves it here. I'm so. never coming to Stanton. You're going to play in a church here one day. I know it. Wow. Mark Dever coming was just confirmation. And on that note, that will end <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in to the Boxing One podcast. Look, go on over to iTunes, subscribe. Check us out. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook and at Boxing One Podcast. Guess what? We have a website, boxingonepodcast.com. Go check it out. All of our episodes are up there now. And we look forward to seeing you all in the new year. We couldn't have done any of this without you guys continuing to listen and give us feedback. So feel free to continue doing that. Until next year, peace out.